entering the Freedom Hut. We can't name the whistleblower? We all know who the whistleblower is, don't we? What's going on here? Why is the media trying to prevent the general public from finding out about this? Oh, ABC News retaliates against a real whistleblower. They changed General Flynn's 302. The anonymous book uh, seems to have some lies in it already. Protesting a cuddle program. And are Marvel movies actually cinema? That and more coming up. This This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Okay, they just hand me the story. Coup has started, whistleblower's attorney said, in 2017. You know when that was? That was a long time ago. It's all a hoax. They say January 2017, a coup has started, and the impeachment will follow, ultimately. It's all a, it's all a hoax. It's a scam. And you know who helps them? These people right back here, the media. And then it said, oops, the light's going to go off. The CNN light is going to go off. From the lawyer, a sleazeball, it said, I predict at CNN will play a key role in at real Donald Trump. Not finishing out his first time. Can you believe this? This is all. And this was done a long time ago. Then he goes. As one falls, two more will take their place, referring to outgoing Trump administration employees who, by the way, have been put through hell by the sleaze back there and by crooked politicians. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Man, we have quite a day ahead of us here. There you had President Trump last night at a rally in Trumpian form. Talking about not the whistleblower, we'll get into that. When should we know the name of the whistleblower? Why should or should not this be confirmed? The media effort to restrict this information that's already out in public is absolutely astonishing. A media that you would think would understand that when the presidency of the United States is at stake, then the public should have a right to know. Isn't that what they said about publishing the Pentagon Papers? Isn't that what they say about naming people who are operatives of the intelligence agency sometimes in newspapers when when they've been asked not to be named? Isn't isn't this something that we all understand? The, The press will just decide, oh, we're going to talk about that classified program. We're going to write about this person and put them in jeopardy. Huh. But this whistleblower, which is not even really the appropriate term, person's not legally entitled to be called a whistleblower, but they've just rammed this whole thing through. They've gotten far enough in the process and enough people referred to him that way that this is what we are told we're supposed to say. But you'd think that the press would understand that this really matters, that the motivations of a person who is not a whistleblower, but who has called out a question of politics involving the president, but has tried to use, tried to weaponize the apparatus of the federal government against a sitting president and cloak himself in the laws. 
by expanding the meaning of plain statute beyond what they were ever intended to do, you would think the press would understand that we should know everything about this person. I mean, CNN camps out on the front lawn of random citizens who post something on Facebook that they say came from the, you know, the Russian Internet Research Agency or whatever and humiliates them. CNN threatens to dox people to expose private citizens who make memes that CNN doesn't like. Oh, well, you better pull that down or else we're going to tell everybody who you are. Oh, but this whistleblower is sacrosanct. This is all so obvious, isn't it? This is why I don't give an inch. This is why I don't budge. This is why I don't flinch when other people say, oh, but what about the phone call in Zelensky and quid pro quo, quid pro quo? No. I smelled the coup coming a mile away. So should everybody else. This isn't the first time they've tried this. In fact, not only is it not the first time they've tried this coup, it's by the same playbook as the Russia collusion one. Stir up a bunch of nonsense, do it from hidden positions within the government, try to hide the truth from the public as long as possible, create a narrative that you cannot prove because it is a lie about the president of the United States. And then the moment the people start to figure out what's really going on, claim process violations, claim that obstruction is occurring, claim that there's some tenet of democracy that isn't being respected by the president fighting back against this nonsense. I smelled the coup coming a mile away, and I know you did too. And now they're upset about it. I think many in the media are feeling like, "Uh uh-oh, this isn't going to work the way we had planned it to. This isn't going to be the situation that we had hoped it would be, that we finally were going to nail the president, even if they couldn't remove him via Senate two-thirds majority vote after a Senate trial, that at least the president would be limping into the 2020 re-election fight after an impeachment battle that he had lost. That's the plan. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. On the upside, it means that the coup has failed. On the downside, I would not look to see the mental health of the libs improve in 2020 as a general rule. I think they're only going to get crazier. The president there started out reading tweets from the lawyer for the whistleblower. In fact, the alleged second whistleblower also has the same lawyer. Um, To this, I would say the following. I think that I need to disclose this to you. I know this lawyer. I know him personally. I know him professionally. I don't know him super well. Um, He is so, and and I I would say this, people who are my friends, I don't criticize. I would not, this guy and I are not friends. We are acquaintances. Um, But I would also tell you that uh, I've had to mute him on Twitter because he's so annoying with his Trump hatred. So none of this is surprising to me. (laughs) None of this stuff, when the president's reading out these tweets about, what was it? Coup has started. As one falls, two more take their place. Hashtag rebellion. Hashtag impeachment. We're supposed to think that somebody who shares that opinion doesn't have a bizarre animus against the president of the United States that might influence whether he's willing to... uh, color outside the lines a little bit in order to get his way through the legal process here 
to try to take down the president. What we have here is evidence of Trump derangement syndrome. Don't we think that Trump derangement syndrome is a uh, a hindrance to one's objectivity or professionalism? Remember, lawyers are officers of the court. They are not. I know you're all laughing because we all know a lot of shady lawyers. Avenatti comes to mind, among many others. Uh, lawyers are supposed to act within the interests of the law, not just the interests of their client. They're supposed to stay within the bounds of their professional obligations, not advance arguments that they know to be specious, not advance arguments that they know to be uh, twisting of. Now, most lawyers will do anything for money. We know that. But technically, they're supposed to be a part of the justice system. And here we have somebody who is maniacally anti-Trump, and I've known that all along, and I've had conversations with him about his... Everything that Trump does, he thinks is terrible, basically. He has believed every argument about how Trump has obstructed justice, about how Trump has violated the law. He believes all of it. All of it. Now, are we really to think that it is a coincidence of all the lawyers in all the land, of all the lawyers in the swamp alone in Washington, D.C., the whistleblower finds Mark Zaid who is perhaps best known for being the guy you go to when you want to publish a book after serving the government that the government doesn't want you to publish. He, which is a necessary service, by the way. And I don't think that that, I think it's good that there's somebody who specializes in that. But he's an anti-Trump zealot. He's allowed to be an anti-Trump zealot. That's fine. I I don't pretend that lawyers aren't going to have opinions about these things. Congress is full of lawyers. But we should know because this isn't a criminal trial. This is a political question that is being processed through the United States Congress. We should know who the parties are. We should know who the players are. What do they think? What do they believe in? What are their motivations? To pretend that this whistleblower doesn't matter now, which is what you're hearing all these Democrats do, is preposterous. It is a farce. Initially, it was all about how we had to hear from the whistleblower. We had to have testimony. This person had firsthand, firsthand example of the president violating law. By the way, the president violating the law. If he had, you'd be hearing about it a thousand times a day from every news outlet in the country. Now they're saying it's abuse of power. Well, that's the most vague thing they could possibly come up with, isn't it? Abuse of power is what everybody says about a politician who does something they do not like when they cannot find an actual statutory infraction. You can't do that. Turns out that they've said that about Trump. How many times? And then the Supreme Court has had to weigh in and say, actually, he can, like the so-called Muslim ban. You can't do that. Abuse of power. Well, the Constitution says he can. And in the realm of foreign policy, presidents have a tremendous amount of deference. Now, there's a political check on that. Congress exists in part to be a political check on the president of the United States. That is one of its duties. And if people really hate the conversation that Trump had with Zelensky in U- about Ukraine, they are completely entitled to and really have an obligation to think about that and vote accordingly. I think the conversation was fine. It's a little rough in terms of political stuff, but bare knuckles the way you got to go if you want to deal with these crazy libs. Nothing of violation of the law. I've never thought there was a violation of the law. And here we are. Now we have the whistleblower's lawyer is on the front of uh, foxnews.com right now. He's getting a lot of attention. And he is a not just a never-Trumper, he's an anti-Trumper. I mean, he's somebody who openly roots for people within the government to not do their duty. Sally Yates refused to do her job 
because she didn't like this president. That is what happened. Sally Yates also set up General Flynn because she is shameless and grotesque in her abdication of basic morality and responsibility in her duties. Grotesque. But she was a little resistance hero for a while. Yet another, yet another self-important, self-righteous, sanctimonious bureaucrat says, I don't like Trump. I don't like what he stands for. I'm not going to. I work for him, but I'm not going to do what he says. Okay. well, she got fired. And now we see on Twitter for all. And this is a reminder to some folks, delete your old tweets, folks. (laughs) You never know when they're going to come back. Now we see that the lawyer who is in some ways quarterbacking this along with Adam Schiff and who does understand this very specific area of the law well enough that it's open to interpretation and therefore manipulation. Remember that. You have a lawyer who is rooting for a coup. That's a coincidence? That's what the libs are going to tell us now? That's what the mainstream media wants us to believe? This is a coincidence. You just happen to find a lawyer who's been screaming on his Twitter account about how there needs to be a coup and hashtag resistance and government officials need to end this presidency doesn't matter what the people voted for. It doesn't matter what the system we have says. Hmm. It's an interesting day, isn't it? Almost feels like the coup's falling apart slowly but surely. I'm going to read these transcripts. The whole process is a joke. The whole idea that there's a quid pro quo based on somebody changing their testimony, presuming there was. Volker said there was not. He's the special envoy. You just pick things you like. Y'all hate this guy. You want to get him impeached. I'm not buying into Schiff running a legitimate operation over there. I was the impeachment manager. We did it vastly different. This is a political vendetta. Mueller, to me, was the final authority on everything Trump. I've read the transcript for myself. I made up my own mind. Volker, the special envoy, said there was no quid pro quo. Sunderland has changed his testimony to say he presumes there was. What I can tell you about the Trump policy toward the Ukraine, it was incoherent. It depends on who you talk to. They seem to be incapable of forming a quid pro quo. So, no, I find the whole process to be a sham, and I'm not going to legitimize it. Yes, Lindsey. Yes, this is the Lindsey Graham that I like. He's right. This is like Kavanaugh era. Lindsey Graham, who just lays it down. This whole thing is a joke. It's a sham. It's not a funny joke. It's wrong, though, what they are doing to the president of the United States. And it's wrong the way that Congress has now decided that without a crime, without a real violation to speak of, they're just going to make impeachment a process of the uh, the House majority deciding they don't like the president in an election year. That's da- they always talk about undermining our institutions. Think about the precedent that this sets. Oh, yeah. Ask yourself, what exactly are they impeaching him for? They don't know. They're going forward with it, but they're not sure what. Just like with the Mueller Russia collusion probe. Why was there a special counsel in the first place? There was no there was no evidence of any crime that Trump committed with the Russians. It didn't exist. So why do we need a special counsel? Why can the DOJ handle it? Well, Get the whole thing going. Worry about the lack of legitimacy later on. That's the game they play. I mean, at least with Russia collusion, the Democrats and the media lied about the certainty of forthcoming devastating revelations for two years. Any day now, any day now, Trump is going to be finished, they said. So that kept a lot of people going. That kept them on the edge of their seat. Oh, wow. Okay. 
With impeachment, however, the plan seems to be to just repeat the same story over and over again until we simply can't take it anymore and agree to anything so that it stops. Anything but this. Even producer Mark, I come in, he's like, man, impeachment. Stuff is boring. I'm like, I know. We're going to listen to these State Department bureaucrats like, oh, and then I was posted in Ukraine, and I really thought that our our Demarche with the Deputy Assistant Secretary of the blah blah was going to make this policy change happen, and then it didn't. And I just think that that was really bad, and that's my opinion. And who cares? You want to know? You want to know the difference in Trump and Obama era uh, Ukraine policy? Obama was like, here's here's some meals ready to eat, MREs and some blankets. I hope those keep you warm while the Russians are moving on your positions in eastern Ukraine with armor and slaughtering your countrymen. You know what Trump decided for Ukraine? Hey, we're going to give you javelin anti-tank missiles to hold off the advance of that Russian armor. And so you're not losing countrymen day in and day out in a battle you can't win because you don't have the tools to do the job. You see, that's a policy difference that matters. The, oh, I don't know, but the corruption and Trump and Giuliani. Bunch of nonsense. Bunch of absolute garbage coming out of all this stuff. For what? And now we're supposed to believe this guy, what, Sondland? He changed his testimony? Oh, I think there was a quid pro quo. What do you mean you changed your testimony? You, you've already... Given your testimony, now you're going to change your testimony. Remember that whole thing about I swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Now you're doing truth 2.0? Lindsey Graham got it right. It's a sham, a scam, a fraud. The whole thing, folks. Don't get drawn into it. They're trying to play mind games with you. This is all nonsense. It's anti-Trumpism on steroids. But first of all, I want to uh, thank Ambassador Hale for... Um, for being here, for obeying the law, for following the lawful uh, subpoena that we issued. Uh, we wish others uh, would show the same courage and dedication to the law that Ambassador Hale is demonstrating here today. Courage and dedication to the law. Uh, Adam Schiff is, is really a, a disgrace, a disgrace to the, the role that he currently holds. He's a disgrace to the legal profession. He was a, a federal prosecutor, which is a, a reminder, my friends, that prosecutors, when a prosecutor goes bad, you have a lot of problems. You have a lot of things to be uh, concerned about. There's not a whole lot, uh, not a whole lot that can be done about it. They have tremendous authority and can abuse the law and can really hurt people. Um, but while, while he's talking about how great it is that people are coming forward, remember, they can't have State Department lawyers with them. So they're not allowed representation. You'd say, wait, but how, how does that work? Congress just making up the rules as they go along here. Which also is, is a reminder, my friends, they've looked for so many ways to contort, distort, and abuse the law in bad faith to go after, to hurt this president. And they don't care that in that process, they're showing us all, one, how dishonest the left is in its anti-Trump machinations, but also... Other people will see this and say, oh, so the law really is just a tool of politics. There's no principle. There's no underlying foundation of truth or fairness or justice. It's just it says whatever I need it to when I want a thing. The Democrats take this approach to anything involving Trump. The law is whatever they wanted to say at that moment that hurts Trump and helps them without exception. 
This is why you have the hashtag resistance judiciary. These federal judges appointed by mostly by Obama, but some by others uh, who come forward and decide the law doesn't say what it says because Trump. What message does that send to the rest of the country? And for a lot of people who support Trump, how are they not supposed to feel like they're being disenfranchised and that their aspirations, their political aspirations for the government are just being nullified by people who don't care what the system is, won't play fair, don't play by the rules. Democrats claim that they are protecting our sacred institutions while they are kicking at the load-bearing foundations of those institutions. Here's a here's an example of oh Ambassador Schiff was uh, oh sorry Adam Schiff not Ambassador Schiff not, let's not elevate the guy uh, Adam Schiff saying that oh Ambassador Hale's coming out to speak and we can hear from all these Ukraine policy people all day long it doesn't it doesn't mean anything I don't care what they have to say because there is no crime that they are referring to. They're referring to their differences of opinion with the administration. Here's a perfect example. This is from Ambassador Taylor's testimony, which has now been, I can't, I don't you know whether it's leaked or officially put out or who knows, but this is the testimony. Um, Ambassador Taylor says, September 7th, are we looking at the same paragraph? Congressman Lee Zeldin says, third paragraph down on page 12. Ambassador Taylor, right, in which he described a phone conversation with Sondland and President Trump. Yes, sir. Mr. Zeldin. This is the only reference in your opening statement to Biden, other than your one reference to the July 25th call. And this is not firsthand. It's not secondhand. It's not thirdhand. But if I understand this correctly, you're telling us that Tim Morrison told you that Ambassador Sondland told him that the president told Ambassador Sondland that Zelensky would have to open an investigation into Biden. That is being treated as damning evidence in this, my friends. You said this thing to the guy who said the thing about the guy who talked to the guy who heard from a guy who thought he heard from a guy that this other guy had to do a thing. If these were sixth grade girls, we'd be laughing at how silly this is. They have no idea what's going on here. If I mean, this is absurd. This is a testimony. Well, I heard from somebody who heard from somebody who heard from somebody who heard from somebody else that maybe this was happening. Oh, what are we supposed to do there? We're going to pretend that perception doesn't matter. Context doesn't matter. Misinterpretation doesn't matter. And then ultimately, what are we even talking about? The aid went through to Ukraine No investigation of Biden or his son began. And by the way, I think there should be an investigation of Biden and his son. Well, why not? Was everybody on the, and I credit somebody on Team Bach for writing on this. Was everybody on the Burisma board getting $50,000 a month? Can we find out the answer to that question? I think that really does matter. Was everybody else getting like $5,000 a month, but Hunter Biden was getting fifty? dollars Here's somebody, uh, I'm going to put my hand up and say, I would make a bet that Hunter Biden's compensation on the Burisma board exceeded even that of other Burisma board members. They got him, threw, threw him a little extra, threw him a little extra, extra cheese, a little extra scratch, a little extra, you know, cash. Hmm. Interesting. So when do we get answers to that? Oh, the journalists don't want to answer this. 
And that then brings me to, uh, well, there's a few more things I have. First of all, if you want to get a sense of the legal minds that are out there that are pushing this stuff, and also get a sense of how really shockingly stupid some members of Congress are, here's uh, Eric Swalwell on, I think, one of the late night shows, which just provide a cultural laundering service for left-wing politicians to seem like they're cool and connected to the people. So they go on the Colbert show, like Nancy Pelosi. They go on these different programs where the host is clearly on their side and they get to tell their little funny anecdote and it, it, it tries to blur the line between politician and celebrity even more uh, in favor of the person and forgetting that they're a politician and have real things to answer for. But, you know, this is all these shows, clown nose on, clown nose off. Are they asking them serious policy questions or is it all a ha-ha joke? You don't know. Depends on what they're doing. Um, but here's Eric Squall on one of those shows. Uh, play clip six, please. It's an abuse of power to remove an ambassador for political reasons because you don't like what they're doing, period. It's a gross abuse of power if you ask a political uh, ally like the Ukrainians to investigate your opponent. It's a gross, extreme abuse of power if you leverage a White House meeting, which may not seem like much to us as Americans, but to other countries, that's the most important thing you can get. It's an extraordinary abuse of power if you unlawful or if you remove an ambassador the way the president did, ask for investigations, leverage a White House meeting and $391 million in taxpayer dollars. That's what we're investigating. The first the statement that he started out with, by the way, is one of the, the stupidest things I've heard somebody say probably all week. It is absolutely not an abuse of power to fire an ambassador because you don't like what they're doing, you idiot. I mean, Swalwell, another guy, I think he was also a federal prosecutor. We are not sending the federal justice system our best. We are not. This is uh, stunning. The president can fire an ambassador for any reason or no reason. The president can fire an ambassador because he thinks that he or she is just not enthusiastic enough about the policy. Really, legally, the president can fire the ambassador because it just feels like the person isn't the right man or woman for the job. And that's an entirely subjective judgment that is not reviewable by a court, that is not reviewable by the Congress. The president gets to do this. This is the system we have. I know libs are, you know, one day they're talking about court packing. The next day they're talking about getting rid of the electoral college. You know, they only like the system when it gives them what they want. The second the system doesn't give them what they want, they're willing to just undermine the whole thing and say it's all crap and it was you know, all put together by a bunch of racist white guys hundreds of years ago. It's terrible. I mean, the whole system they'll, they'll throw out the moment that it doesn't really appeal to them anymore. But Swallow's thing about it, it's, it's an abusive power to remove an ambassador for political reasons because you don't like what they're doing. No, that is a stupid, false statement. There's no person who will win this debate with me. He is wrong. That is a dumb thing to say. He is factually incorrect. The president can absolutely remove somebody because of politics from a post as an ambassador. Let's also remember some, some people become ambassadors because they donate money. You, know, you get to be ambassador to like nice little beach paradise country because you raised enough money for the president. Let's stop pretending like all these, oh, these ambassadors, they're all you know, central, central pieces in our grand strategy. You know, these are the the uh, the knights and bishops on the chessboard of our foreign policy. Eh-eh. Sorry, plenty, plenty more, plenty more where that came from. What you learn about foreign policy when you've been close enough to it, as I was years and years ago, 
is that very few people make decisions that really matter. Everybody else is just processing. And I mean part of the process. Everyone else is really just shifting paper around and making sure that the you know, Secretary of State's coffee is hot. I mean, it's not, not what people make it out to be. And there are very few decisions that are made that are of any real consequence in most of these countries and most of these situations. So just, just keep that in mind. It's all, oh my gosh, our Ukraine policy. Can't know who the whistleblower is, though. Uh-uh. Can't know who that is. That's uh, no, no interest there whatsoever. And when, when I think about how rapidly you had, for example, journalists back in the days when Sarah Palin was running as John McCain's running mate, uh, the way they descended upon Wasilla, Alaska, and you would read these reports about how they were just, they were asking everybody, you know, do you, can you tell us a story about Sarah Palin? I mean, just throwing everything they could at what was a, a, just an oppo research effort, a Democrat oppo research effort under the guise of journalism. How how many of our intrepid journos, and by the way, I mean, I'm, I'm now, I'm now Samson with his hair cut in the journalistic establishment and I just want to I just want to bring the whole journalistic establishment down at this point. I, I really because we need to bring it down and start anew. We need to build something different. We need to build a journalistic establishment that is honest about what it's trying to achieve. Yeah, you have to have facts correct. Propagandists have to have facts correct too. It's about editorial decision. It's about omission. It's about activism. It's about what are you trying? What is your view that you are representing to people? Where do you come from with your ideas? That's the journalism of the future. That's the information ecosystem that I want to be operating in, or rather, I do operate in it now. I want everyone to have to operate it. I mean, this this facade, this false front that CNN and New York Times, CNN is probably the worst defender in this regard now, but they're just journalists, man. They're just doing a job. Lies lies. I want to bang on the table, but you'd hear it in the microphone. And if they're telling lies, doesn't that make them liars? And if they're liars, then why should I care when they're constantly in shrill, hysterical voices accusing President Trump of lying about everything? President Trump lies about how awesome he is if you hate him. If you love him, you think he's telling the truth. (laughs) He doesn't lie about things that matter to me. And I'm sure many others feel that way as well. Um, this is uh, this is quite a week we're seeing. The coup plot is already running into some real resistance, dare I say. So what are they going to do now? I I would not put it past them. You can expect there'll be some other trick up their sleeve. They've had months and months. Remember. They, they knew toward the end of Mueller that it wasn't going to get it done. So they've been preparing for this moment. They have the, the, the uh, impeachment proceeding equivalent of a Billy Bush tape somewhere. They're, they're going to have something that they have to drop here because right now it's sputtering. There's a poll out that shows that a strong majority of the American people think that this should be left to the election, which any adult, serious human being should know. Trump is so bad, if Trump is so terrible, if he abuses power so much, let's see how the next election goes. Don't try to just, you know, this is, the Democrats are the kid who can't win the game, so they just want to take the ball and go home with it, say it's my ball. That's what Schiff and Pelosi and all the rest of them are doing. They're trying to disrupt the very process they claim to be protecting because it's not giving them what they because they're not winning. 
They're not winning. And you know what our Democratic friends have done for him? Speaker Nancy Pelosi is trying to impeach him. I don't mean any disrespect, but it must suck to be that dumb. Now, I understand he's caught in a moment of rhetorical flourish there, perhaps, but um, Senator John Kennedy there on on Pelosi, I got to say, look, Pelosi is shameless. She's not a person of principle. Her ideas are bad, and she is first and foremost conservative Nancy Pelosi. She's not dumb, though. Let's not underestimate our opponents in this. And let's remember that while Trump has managed to continue to be president, to do an effective job in the role, the left has, think of how much energy and effort and time they have managed to take away from the Trump agenda with all these schemes, all these artifices. Mueller probe, now now this, impeachment, collusion stuff. I'm sorry, impeachment, uh, inquiry stuff. Collusion, impeachment, it all, it all blends together after a while. I don't want us to underestimate the other side. Right now, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to get what they want through this uh, impeachment proceeding. But what if the whistleblower, and I, I'm, I'm not saying this is the case. I just have concerns about this. What if the whistleblower is just meant to get this thing going? What if then the plan is to either release something else, or perhaps they even shift the whole conversation back to obstruction of justice after the Mueller probe. Or maybe they take just a kitchen sink approach of it's going to be a little, you know, a couple of dashes of Ukraine uh, foreign interference request. It's going to be a little bit, a few pinches of Mueller report obstruction, and then it's going to be emoluments clause, and then sprinkle a little bit of you know, Trump is basically Hitler over the top I and mean, whatever it is. They're they're going to try and reframe the narrative, even if the facts aren't in their favor leading into this impeachment inquiry. So we have to be careful. And I just I, I understand that uh, Kennedy there was at a at a rally. But I mean, to call Pelosi dumb, Pelosi is not dumb. She's not an intellectual. She's not wise. She doesn't have good judgment. She's cunning, though. Many of these Democrats are Adam Schiff, slimy, gross, bad person, fine, but a guy who understands how to attack people, how to smear people, how to abuse the law in order to achieve unjust ends. Yeah. So I just would don't, don't just because I'm telling you it's not working right now and that the coup seems to be faltering. Democrats are tireless, tireless in their scheming and plotting. And they've got something else up their sleeve. I don't know what it is yet, but they're going to unleash it. Welcome back to the Buck Sexton Show. Outing the whistleblower. Ooh, ooh, everyone's all. So uh, the name Eric Sharamella, I believe it's how you pronounce it, was reported by the Washington Examiner, as well as uh, links on Drudge Report, as the individual that is believed to be the whistleblower. That is what the news report that is out there says i'm just uh, it is in the it is you have a first amendment right to read was it what is it a newspaper i am neither confirming nor denying that it is him i do not know but it is out there how orwellian and crazy is it that now we have people in the media no less who are taking the position that 
now that news outlets, some of them have dug into this and, and claimed that they have, they have verified that this is the whistleblower, that no one's allowed to say the name. It's a crime to say the name. Oh, by the way, I was, I was concerned about this initially. I, I told you this was going to happen. Oh, they're going to they're gonna go after people. They're going to start to say, oh, you can't say the name. You can't do it. Because you know, the people that work in these uh, bureaucratic institutions like the DOJ and, you know, they, the ones that will abuse power are the leftists. And if they see an opportunity here to try to contort, try to twist the law so that it can silence people from saying something that's out there, it is in public discourse right now. I, I don't know if it is true or not. I'm not reporting on it. I'm not claiming to have verified it. But they put the name Eric Sharamella out there. And they say that he is uh, the guy who was assigned to the NSC and that he works in the intelligence community. And this is what is out there in the Washington Examiner, in these other newspapers. Are, are, are they, is there a gag order on what is being reported? I, I need to understand how that's supposed to work. If somebody has particular knowledge or background or like, let, let's say they know if someone claims that they're verifying it and they had you know, access to know this. I mean, maybe that's a slightly different situation if they actually learned through that through special access. But if you're just reading it in the newspaper like everybody else, what what country are we living in if you are under a, a kind of gag order to not say what is the biggest news story in the country to not name the person at the heart of it? Or I should say to not be able to say, I read this in a newspaper. And for libs in the media to claim that this is a violation of law now? If you think I'm making this up, Donald Trump Jr. retweeted an article that named the whistleblower. He just said, here's here's an article with her name in the whistleblower. And here you have a, not just media person, but a so-called legal expert. I actually have done some work with her the past at CNN. Her legal analysis is, is horrifically bad, like incorrect. Not that I don't like it. It's just not good. Do not have her as your defense attorney. Trust me. Uh, Sonny Hostin on The View. Here she is telling the president's son that he is a, he's a criminal for, for retweeting that. Please play the clip. I mean, did you advise um, your boyfriend that it is a federal crime to out a, a whistleblower? I didn't advise him that it was a federal crime, but I did come out of the bathroom and say, I left you alone for 10 minutes. What happened when Mama sees his gun? Because yeah. by the well, it's not a federal crime. Reason. It's only a federal However, crime for the IG to do it. That's yeah. in the statute. Well, well, so that's, you well, can't, no, that's but not that's true. The, you can't that's run a lie. With, it is not She's true. Let me show you the that's other not side. Not true. Okay, stop. Everybody stop. It's hard to hear. Under yeah, U.S. Code so Section 1505, it, it, it is a crime. It's not accurate. Just ask Paul. He went My law degree says it is, theater. but nevertheless. But he's not uh, the individual that first did my, my question is, yeah. you did speak to him about that. I talked to him, no, not prior to, after I said, oh, what happened? He said, well, they're saying that I released this and I outed. But if you look at the facts, and the mm-hmm. facts are that the name was out there, I'm not saying, okay, I understand what you're saying, that perhaps, okay, it wasn't the most prudent decision to <coughs> retweet an article. But I want to tell you something. We talk about transparency. The president of the United States released the transcript of exactly what happened in that phone call. The whistleblower is giving his opinion. Did did we hear what just happened there? 
you had a, a a woman with a law degree. He says, my law degree says otherwise. And she wants to drop the credential on the table uh, saying that it's a federal crime for Donald Trump Jr., which means it's a federal crime for any of you out there. That, that This is now her claim. It's a federal crime for any of you to say the name of this person. He is Voldemort. He is the name that cannot be said. This is not just coming from partisan Democrat officials. This is coming from people that are supposed to believe to live and die by freedom of expression. To believe in the First Amendment more than anybody. Just as a little experiment while we were playing that clip for you, I typed in the name Eric into Google. Didn't Nothing else. Just Eric. Could have been Eric the Red. Could have been... Eric, I don't know, uh, you know, I can't think of a, I can't think of a really famous Eric of the, Bruce or Mark, what's a famous Eric, like from sports? Give me one. Eric Dickerson. Eric Dickerson. I don't even know who that is. Who is that? He's a running back. Running back. There we go. I'm sure he's fantastic. But you know what came up when I typed in Eric? Into Google. The Google machine. Eric's a very common name. Eric Sharamella. And then all this stuff about the news reports on this guy Claiming, claiming, based on these news organizations, that he's the whistleblower. In what world does anyone think that it could be even theoretically prosecutable to say, hey, I just read this thing that is literally on the Internet that any human being with Internet access can go to and read and see? How could that be? How, how is that the case? I mean, oh, no, we've, we've had the name up on the screen. Oh, what's going to happen now? Eric, oh, no. Oh, it's so scary. What are we going to do? I'm so scared. It's fine. Nothing's, nothing's going to happen to the guy. We're just going to know a little bit more about him. By the way, every public, this whole thing about, oh, his life is in jeopardy, which Mark Zaid was saying, and oh, Jake Tapper, that fraud, that nasty, petty fraud. He's all, oh, Mark Zaid, the lawyer, is saying this guy's life is in jeopardy. Everybody who's ever stood up and defended Trump against the Russia collusion stuff, death threats, families threatened. If you if you cross Planned Parenthood publicly, you'll have people threatening you and you know to mutilate your kids and all this happens to every conservative. Oh, this guy, it's so scary for him. I'm just wondering, was it scary for Kavanaugh's family? When they were under constant threat from psychotic libs who were stupid enough and delusional enough to believe that he was part of a, that that Kavanaugh was part of a a high school gang rape gang? Was was that, did did liberals feel bad about that at all? Because they completely created that entirely false circumstance. Do you think any of them lost sleep? Any of them cried tears about that? Did liberals lose any sleep or feel badly when people showed up at Tucker Carlson's home and terrified his wife in the middle of the night chanting and yelling and screaming outside as a mob did they feel bad about that no i i don't think so i don't remember any liberals going on tv and apologizing for the rhetoric that is constantly promoted on the left without any compunction without without any hesitation about how uh, the opponents of leftism and socialism today are white nationalists all of us anybody doesn't matter if you're white or not. You're still a white nationalist. You're supporting white nationalism. It's appalling. These people are, people are appalling. Um, but that on the view, I have to say, that was one of the dumbest legal exchanges I've ever heard in my life. 
It's a crime, really. It's a crime to share a news article. You absolute, just what a, I mean, the, the stupidity. Uh, I, I sit here and I think that I understand the full depth of the moral and intellectual depravity that the left has fallen into in this environment right now. Uh, but, but sometimes they even manage to go a, a step beyond. So I, I would want to ask legal expert on The View, which I know is it'd be better to go get medical advice from Dr. Nick from The Simpsons. Remember Dr. Nick? Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Nick. Um, he's not really an expert in anything. Uh, Sonny Hostin's legal expertise is not good. Uh, and I, I just think it's interesting that she took this position that Donald Trump Jr. But you see, it, it's there are certain parts of, the, of liberals' brains now that have just become hardwired. Donald Trump Jr. must be a criminal. And therefore, any opportunity to, to present a case that he's a criminal is worth doing. Because we know he's a criminal. We just don't know what the crime is yet. That's their approach. Their approach with Trump Sr., Trump Jr., all of them. But that was a, a stunning moment on national TV. Really tells you what the libs are here. I'm seeing that there are news organizations that will not print the name now. Is this now the... You know how we, we don't want to print the names of mass shooters because we don't want to give them fame, and that never really works because some people don't agree with that. The name is out there. They find out the name. I, I, you know, I think the way that you contextualize and, and you frame the issue of a mass shooting can really matter to the narrative, but... And also you know, the, the, the degree of specificity and detail that is reported. But the name is going to be out there. It just is. It's part of a legal proceeding. The name will be out there. This name is out there too. But you see, I think the liberals know that they can't stop this. They cannot put the genie back in the bottle. Is that like a microaggression against Middle Eastern culture now? I don't know. But they they won't be able to stop this thing from being out there. But what they can do is slow down the recognition among the American people that are paying attention to this, which is not not everybody by any stretch. They can slow this down so that there's just more damage that can be done under the existing whistleblower narrative against Trump. The impeachment proceeding can get further down the tracks. And if in fact, and when we beyond any reasonable doubt recognize that this guy was colluding with Democrats behind the scenes to try and take down President Trump going into an election year, they'll have already gotten what they wanted. So delay matters here. You know, it's like, why, why did Obama initially refuse to call Benghazi a terrorist attack? And why did Susan Rice go on the, the shows and say that it's, it happened because of a video? Because people were angry and they didn't want the perception to set in that Obama did not know what the heck he was doing on foreign policy. And when you let things lapse for a few weeks, other stories come in. Delay is a strategy. They're delaying the recognition of who Sharamella may or may not be. Again, I don't know. Would it, is it beyond my comprehension or belief that maybe they got the wrong guy? It's possible. I don't know. But it is being reported on by reputable news organizations. And I got to say, if I'm this guy and... It's not me. I think I released a statement saying it's not me, right? So we can all put our detective hats on and come to some conclusions here. Um, but I thought that, that that moment on The View was 
It was mind-blowing. It really was. Do you realize you've committed a crime by retweeting a news article? That's it. That's a crime now, liberals will say. You see, they'll criminalize anything they don't like. I don't like that. I don't approve of that. Criminal, you should go to prison. These liberals, I'm telling you, they are just children drunk with drunk with power. It's really scary to watch the way that they operate. Um, and there's just there's no objectivity. There's no point of of agreement you can reach when it comes to Trump and his alleged criminality. Shocking stuff. Talking about whistleblowers today, so let's continue on with that theme, shall we? Because there's a another whistleblower no blower story out there, a real whistleblower, in fact. First, just a moment, a little. A little uh, what golf clap or um, what's the the liberals now? We'll maybe talk about this later, but they like when you do the like tw- twinkly fingers or the jazz hands or something instead of clapping because clapping can trigger people. I'm serious. Clapping can be a, a trigger for people, so you're not allowed to do that anymore. Um, but just kudos and props and all that to uh, James O'Keefe for getting some great footage of a moment of. We, we all know we know what a moment of honesty is. We saw it. Amy Robach, who is a journalist, supposed to be presenting you with those moments of honesty all the time. Unvarnished truth. Speaking truth to power. Overwhelmingly, my friends, corporate media is just a fraud. The corporate journalist media that is out there lies. The whole mission statement's not what they say that or rather the mission is not what the mission statement says. Uh, the mission is to protect their fellow elites to unify with like-minded liberal ideologues, to present a narrative to the American people that will influence them to certain beliefs and therefore make likely outcomes that are beneficial to one political party, the Democratic Party. That is the real mission statement of most of the corporate media that is out there. Not all of it. And look, there are good journalists at every... People need jobs, right? So I, I don't pretend to say that Every person works at this place or that place. People will trash on the left. They'll trash Fox News. And I would sit there and laugh. I'm like, oh, that's such a... Put aside all the ideological stuff. And there are journalists who are world-class by any standard that work at Fox. And yet their journalist colleagues will completely... People like Jeff Zucker. Oh, the place is all propaganda. The whole thing is propaganda. Really? I think Zucker doth protest too much about propaganda, which is what CNN has entirely turned into. So let's now take a step back into the James O'Keefe video, shall we? You will recall that Amy Robach, I think I'm saying her name right, um, she spoke about how they, the brass, the, the, the chiefs, the higher-ups at ABC decided that the James O'Keefe video was, I'm sorry, the Amy Robach video that James O'Keefe's Project Veritas put out there for millions and millions and millions of people to watch um, but the story that they were going to talk about, Epstein, who I'm hearing all these rumors from people that they think he didn't kill himself. Um, but I, I, I see that the story, we all could see that the story was shut down for reasons that had nothing to do with journalism and everything to do with don't want to upset certain powerful people, want access to powerful people, don't want to cause any problems. It was a statement an honest moment, a statement of abject cowardice from ABC. Um, and the statement that they put out afterwards, of, oh, it didn't meet our journalistic standards. It's the most boilerplate, oh my gosh, what do we do? 
somebody just come up with some lie that we can try to tell people about this. It was so obvious that there were journalistic standards. They had witnesses. They had sworn testimony. They had photographs. They had, you know, people. I mean, the story was signed, sealed, and delivered for them. Nope. Didn't Didn't want to touch it. Didn't want to touch that story. Ah, but you see, the media... They all pretend like they're competitors, but really what's important to ABC and CBS and CNN and MSNBC is they all watch each other's backs because they all know that they could be working at any one of those organizations. So it's like a country club for people who are liberals pretending to be journalists who want to make sure that they have lots of career options. It is not about speaking truth to power. It's not about telling difficult, difficult stories that are going to make your life harder. It's about telling stories that make your life easier. And that's what they all do. And that's why the whistleblower who initially put out, or they believe, shared that video, we have an update on what happened to him. It turns out that some whistleblowers, the liberal media doesn't think deserve any protection. So you might ask yourself, ABC News has a moment here. And remember, this is a huge company owned by Disney. Everyone there is making, you know, they're all overpaid. It's very, very cushy, the whole thing. you know, all the anchors I'm talking about and the senior producers and everything else, they're, they're, living, they're living very nice, comfy journo existences over there. And they won't even take this opportunity to take responsibility for uh, crushing or for, for quashing, I should say, the Epstein story. They won't say there's no mea culpa, there's no, you know, they're instead claiming that they acted with the best of intentions as journalists and, oh, by the way, there will be consequences for this lapse. The consequences will be visited against the person who leaked the footage of Robach to Project Veritas. That's the person that's going to suffer here. No one else at ABC gets fired. No one else at ABC has to take any responsibility for this. You know, Amy Robach is out there acting like, oh, you know, it's just, I had a moment of frustration and this doesn't represent what really happened. Lying to us, by the way. She's lying to us. Just wants to keep getting, by the way, there's a, my, my, um, my friend Chadwick Moore, you know, has hosted this show before. He has a fantastic piece out and I should really try to pull up some of it, um, on on Robach and, and what the truth is about our corporate media, because <laughs> this if they don't take if they don't take this opportunity, um, the, the mysterious career of Amy Robach, he writes, this is from Chadwick Moore. The establishment can't function without its media army of spineless egomaniacs. <laughs> it's totally true. It is totally true. These people are all so replaceable. And they, even though they become household names, they become rich, they know there's their, their, their ability. What is their ability? What do they know that other people don't know? What can they do that other people can't do? They're like glorified catalog models for the most part. They can read off of a teleprompter, male and female. This is not a knock on any female specifically. Uh, there's some great stuff in, in here, though. Um, here's what he writes at the end. Instead of attempting to make amends with the American people, and earn trust, the American media is stuck in a psychotic loop of doubling down and further alienating themselves from the population. They continue to do it in the most petty ways. 
Mainstream media couldn't be bothered to even acknowledge the source of the Roboc leak, Project Veritas. Such a scrappy troll field operation is beneath mention for those who have the royal family on speed dial, it would seem. In the rare instance the networks did mention Project Veritas, they couldn't resist adding a snide right-wing activist group qualifier. Anyone who initially championed Robach has probably reconsidered. She's not worthy of our praise nor condemnation as much as our pity. The establishment can't function without its army of spineless egomaniacs speer- uh, steered in any direction by a dangling a carrot. The cogs who will never know the joys of doing good, only the rewards of doing good for oneself. End quote. Chadwick Moore here in The Spectator. Mic drop. Really good stuff from Chadwick. So, um, now, what happened to the whistleblower? What happened to the whistleblower? I I just want to know. The one in ABC, the one who pointed out, or rather went to somebody to expose, because this is clearly, this this is journalistic malpractice. You'd say, well, does he work at ABC News anymore? No, he doesn't. So what's ABC really going to, they're going to try to take him to court? They're going to sue him? Well, maybe. They could be litigious. Oh, no. What they do is they (laughs) reach out to CBS Evening News, where I interned a long time ago, by the way, believe it or not. I was an intern at CBS Evening News. Horrible, smug, snide libs everywhere. I was 18 years old, and I was like, who are all the smug, snide libs in here? Where did they all come from? I didn't realize at the time. I didn't know quite how much of, of, the, uh, of the media was, was biased in this way. I was a young guy. I mean, I knew there was some media bias, but I didn't realize. I was like, oh, so CBS Evening News, this is a Democrat propaganda operation. That's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm not even, I wasn't even in college yet. I was a high school senior, but I knew what was going on there. But the whistleblower, the person who has come forward uh, with, or I shouldn't say come forward, the person who released the, allegedly, let's keep that in mind, allegedly released, works at CBS Evening News. So ABC executives reached out to CBS executives. You know what CBS executives did? Fired him. Fired him. Now, let's unpack this for a moment. This person exposed something that was newsworthy, malfeasance from a journalistic perspective, uh, did not do anything to CBS Evening News or didn't even do this while employed, I'm, I'm sure, at CBS, or perhaps you know didn't take the uh, video while employed at CBS News, and harmed what is supposed to be a direct competitor of CBS Evening News, ABC News, in the process. And they fire him? Let's unpack that for a moment. Why would you do that? Why would you just concede to the wishes of a competitor that has just gotten a big black eye and you're going to toss somebody out because of what they did to a former employer that really was, they were right to do? Who's the real victim here? Is, is the real victim ABC or is the real victim the uh, young girls whose stories were not told for years because ABC wanted to sit down with the royal family? Which, by the way, there is no journalism that is more worthless, feckless, stupid, moronic than the American journalists who were so excited to sit with, like, Kate and whatever his name is, or the other one and the the American. 
I can't even remember her name either. I don't know. Who, who is, who's the one? Um, who are the royal family? Who's the two sons? And there were the peep, uh, Kate Middleton, and then there's the other the other lady. I can't remember her name. What I had, producer Mark, this is the point. Whenever, whenever journalists, I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, it's fine. Just do it on E. You know, do it on a show where they're like, oh my gosh, like Christina Aguilar's latest fashion is just like setting the world on fire. Like, that's fine. But just don't do it and be like, I'm a serious journalist. Let's talk to a member of the British royal family. Oh, do they serve really good tea in Buckingham Palace? Like, what is this? Tell me about what shoes you're wearing. ABC News didn't want to lose access to the how good is the tea, what shoes are you wearing? OMG, is it so hard having people take photographs of you all the time? They, they made sure they had access to that and didn't care about the pedophile ring involving some of the most powerful and wealthy people on planet Earth. Hmm. Wow. Seems rather strange, doesn't it? That's, that's quite a trade-off to make. But then why does... CBS fire this person? There are two reasons that I can see. CBS fires this uh, individual because these different networks, CBS, ABC, NBC, they really all act as, uh, they're really, they, they pretend to be in competition with each other, but they're all really the same restaurant serving the same food. They've just got different physical locations, but it's all the same thing. They're not presenting anything anything different from the perspective of perspective of honesty, truth, justice, any of that. They give you the same kind of watered down, left of center, pablum. All of it. Yeah. Oh, we're the height of journalism. Yeah. It's gross. And so they protect each other. And if you you go after one, the others are like, hey, sorry, those are our buddies. We know we're supposed to be wishing them wishing that they would collapse and go away, but that's not really true. We, we just, we, we like this ABC, NBC, CBS. We, we want to just all sort of be a unit, you know. We're the big serious TV journalism enterprises, you know. Okay. And you know what the other problem is? And this is the bigger one. And I think a lot of you know where I'm going to go with this. Guy's not a trustworthy leftist. Guy is not a reliably left-wing hack. I don't even know what his politics are. Can't we guess that it would be possible to care more about an enormous story, a tremendously important story with real victims, real harm done, continuing victimization of young girls? Isn't that enough that we could assume that this this man who was just fired just lost his job, his livelihood probably, along with it, from CBS Evening News? Maybe he didn't do it because he's right wing. Didn't do it because he's a conservative. Maybe he just did it because he was horrified at what a fraud ABC is. But you see, that's a problem for these networks. They have to be able to count on you if you're going to work there. They have to count on you to know that the cause of the left, the beliefs, the ideology of progressive Democrats that run the media, that is more important than journalistic standards or ethics or anything else. That if you cross the team and you hurt the cause of the left in America, you cannot be trusted again. It does not matter. It does not matter why you did it. And it does not matter whether the left abandoned any pretense of principles in the process. They know that they cannot trust this guy to put the agenda 
before the truth. And that in the mainstream media is a fireable offense in and of itself. Oh, and one more story that kind of falls into the whistleblower category or, you know, people that want to have a voice in politics that want to really matter, but don't want us to know who they are. Anonymous. Anonymous has a book coming out and the book makes a claim according to some journalists who, uh, remember this is the, so this is the anonymous op-ed writer about the steady state and stopping Trump from doing what he's really supposed to do or really wants to do. We still don't know who that is that wrote the wall. I think it was Washington Post, the New York Times. I can't remember. I think it was Washington, whatever. I think it was Washington Post. Um, We still don't know who that is, but that person apparently is writing a book and the book is uh, going to be anonymous. And in that book, there are some claims that, I mean, written by anonymous, there are some claims that are made. Quote, senior officials had no doubt that Pence would support invoking the 25th Amendment if the majority of the cabinet agreed. Um, Keep in mind here that the way that that is structured, senior officials believed that that Pence would. This is there's all these conditionals and it's just perception. There's a little bit. Look at the way that it, it reminds you of the reporting on Ukraine. This guy thought that this person said this thing that they thought meant this other person said this thing that they thought meant that this person would. This is not a, this is just nothing. This is just it's just like your opinion, man. Right. This is nothing. Katie Waldman, who is the vice president's press secretary, tweeted out in response to this fake news. And I'm sure it is fake news. Does anyone really believe? I mean, and I, and I am truly curious about the answers. Does anyone really believe that Mike Pence, of all people in this administration, would be like, yeah, let's have a let's have a a uh, removal of the president from office under the false pretense that he is crazy. Let's just have a a legalized coup. Yeah, Mike Pence would go along with that. This anonymous op-ed writer is almost certainly just peddling lies. But how can you challenge? How can you challenge the access or the authenticity of somebody who's writing under the cover of anonymity? You see another parallel to what's going on with Ukraine and the whistleblower. How can we know whether to believe something or not? I'm just wondering, at what point do Democrats start pulling random allegations off of Internet chat boards and saying, see, this person claims that President Trump really is the lizard king from the pres, you know, from the planet Zargon or something. And so there are people out there who have evidence that the president is really a, not really a human being. He's a lizard. Just looks like a human. I mean, I know that's uh, silly and preposterous, but so is all of this, isn't it? Isn't that kind of the point? Anonymous coming forward. Also, I, I will tell you this. If I believed, and I know it's easy to say, if I believed that the, the president of the United States was a uh, like a crypto-fascist who was trying to destroy this country and take us perhaps even up, up to and including a nuclear war and that I had a way of stopping him. And if I really believe that, I would need to maintain anonymity? 
people show up and fight and die for this country day in and day out all over the world. You can't have people know your name because you don't want to deal with the mean emails. You want to save the country from the the Stalin-esque Hitlerian figure of Donald Trump, right? That's an anonymous, oh, but this is a, it's a risk to our, they always talk about the risks to our national security. Why are all these people that come that, that, well, they don't come forward, but why are all these different individuals that are working so hard to destroy this president unwilling to stand up and be counted? There seems to be a a plague here of of cowardice, people that want to attack the president from behind uh, from behind cover, from behind closed doors. Why is that the case? Did this ever happen during the Obama administration, by the way? Did you see people who were saying that Obama shouldn't really be president, but no one can know who I am? Can't can't have anybody understand. No, people stood up and they made their case about why Obama was doing a bad job or why Obama was, in some cases, people made the case that Obama was not a legitimate president. There were people who did that. President Trump, we remember, did ask to see the the birth certificate. And they weren't hiding behind the cover of anonymity, though. The media should be, if they were honest people, forget about ethical, if they were just honest people, they would be all over this. Oh, yeah, sure. You just get to tell whatever story you want about somebody and no one ever gets to know who you are. But we'll just assume it's true because we hate Trump so much. This is appalling. This is maddening. And yet it's not called out. It's not a problem. The journos run with this. They tell these stories. They don't seem to care about what it's doing to forget about political discourse. I feel like people are just going to start tuning out the media. They're just going to say, I can't, I can't trust these people. Here's the problem, folks. For the most part, you can't. We will have confirmed, as I said, uh, 112 judges to the federal district courts, 44 judges to the federal circuit courts, and two outstanding judges to the United States Supreme Court. And that number is rapidly rising. Now, one out of every four circuit judges currently on the bench was appointed by this administration, and that number has now exceeded that by quite a bit. No president in history has confirmed as many circuit court judges, even close, not even close, in such a short period of time. The president is remaking, in some ways, the judiciary, at least the composition of the judiciary. Uh, This is one of the reasons... Well, there's a few things here. You have uh, Mitch McConnell, who knows that the machinery of appointing constitutional conservative judges to the bench, and I have no problem in saying that. We, we, We should want conservative judges on the bench, people that believe law is what it says. The Constitution is a thing with meaning. It doesn't just change based on whatever you want it to mean. That their, that their role is not to come up with what is the best policy through the law, but what the law says to interpret it based on constitutional jurisprudence and to be fair and impartial in that process without ideology. That's what a constitutional conservative justice means. If you want liberal activist judges, we know what that means. Law is whatever they want it to be. It means whatever they tell it to mean. You know, it is whatever they want it to say. And Mitch McConnell, for example, understands that his legacy in this whole process is going to be uh, increasingly cemented just based on the fact that he'll have all these lifetime appointments of federal judges, 
and people uh, all the way up to the Supreme Court who will at least be there'll at least be some greater chance that you're not going to have the activist left take over the entirety of the judiciary. I mean, Trump has got a lot of judges in place, which is which is important. And for those and I put myself in this category, some aspects of the Trump presidency so far have not. He hasn't accomplished I, to say that he hasn't done what he said he'd do. That's unfair. It's not over yet. And I think he is going to get four more years. But there are certainly things that remain unfinished. I think we could all agree there are things that remain unfinished with this presidency. And uh, the judges, though, that he has gotten in so far really matters. It really does matter. Um, And that's one of the parts for those who were still troubled by President Trump's uh, personality and the nepotism and some of the other less savory aspects of the Trump presidency. Uh, the judges have been great. And also, I think there was a political awakening that happened on the right as a result of the fight specifically over Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh. Here's The president was talking about this last night. Play clip uh, 16, please. I said, Brett, let me tell you something. This approval process that you're going to go through will be so fast and so easy. You're perfect. Perfect life, perfect family, perfect education, top scholar, best schools. Brett, this is going to be so easy. Little did he know. (laughs) Little did he know. But I'll tell you what, it really represented something. It represented unfairness. And some of those people that came forward, to my way of thinking, all of those people that came forward, I thought it was disgraceful what happened. And I want to thank uh, all of my Republican colleagues for standing up tall for a man who really didn't deserve what he went through. Nobody could have believed a thing like that could have happened. And yet it was very instructive, wasn't it? And the president's absolutely right. And... We should remember that Kavanaugh wasn't just a guy who was up for an important government job. He was someone who an objective, thoughtful human being would immediately come to the conclusion, this is as honorable, decent, intelligent, and qualified a human being for this job as you could ever find with nothing in his... I mean, think about what they had, to, what they did presented lies from 30 years ago that had not not a shred not one piece of of corroborating evidence or proof of any kind whatsoever and the flimsiest of supposed witness testimony from people whose motives were obvious in the whole process and i've said this before and i think we all have to remember this especially as we think about well we're going to vote for trump again i mean i I mean i am but some people might say well you know am i gonna go third party and independence and undecideds Remember this, whether you have Trump in the Oval Office or you have Brett Kavanaugh in the Oval Office, just by way of comparison, both of them, the left has alleged are rapists, basically, or attempted rapists. No, actually, no, I'm sorry, a rapist with Kavanaugh, too, because of what Swetnick said. Both of those people, the left has said, are rapists. So let's not delude ourselves into thinking that if we had a more genteel and this is why the never trumpers i just i've i've had it with them i'm done so i won't i don't want to have them on the show i don't want to talk to them or a bunch of babies who have not woken up to the reality of the fight we're in i'm sorry they're wrong 
You, if you have anyone in this White House who is trying to accomplish the things that Trump is trying to accomplish, they would be saying he's Hitler. They would be coming up with stories from his past. Oh, he's a rapist. He's a racist. The wor- they would say the worst things about anyone. The mistake of the GOP in the past, in the Romneyite era, let's say, in the Bush era, which Bush was a little different because of the war on terror, and so there was the focus went away from some of these more hot-button domestic issues, but it was, well, we will be, we will conduct ourselves with decorum and decency, and the left will respond to that. You know, they, they will at least play by some... If they can call Brett Kavanaugh a rapist, they can literally call any human being a rapist and not feel bad about it. There was a a psychopathy at the heart of the anti-Kavanaugh movement. They didn't care what they were doing to this guy. They didn't care about the psychological damage to him, to his family. They they had convinced themselves that he needed to be burned at the stake and nothing else mattered. Nothing else mattered. I mean, these are the people who, I mean, the left, you see this in their eyes sometimes. You see this in the way they talk about these issues. They're the ones that would have been cheering as the wagons made their way down the Champs-Élysées in Paris, taking people to, you know, have their have their heads lopped off by the guillotine. The same mentality exists among leftists today where it's like, yeah, we need our political enemies to suffer, to be ruined, to be destroyed. I've, I've yet to hear, I, I still to this day have yet to hear of, of anyone who is a prominent figure on the left really just feel rotten, feel badly about what happened to this guy. And the reason I won't let it go is because, one, they, they did, if you remember, they tried with that pathetic New York Times book, the New York Times reporters that put out this book. They tried to revisit the Kavanaugh thing and, oh, maybe he, he, really, he really did do this thing according, oh, here we have again, hearsay on hearsay on hearsay on allegation and all the people involved in it have political motivations, but we're supposed to ignore that. Oh, it doesn't matter. You just just believe them. I'd want to know. Should we ask ABC News if believe women is a thing that doesn't apply to people who aren't over the age of 18? Why didn't they believe the women that Epstein had abused? Why, why, why is it that when they come forward and they were going to they don't believe those women, huh? Because when it happened, maybe their memories are... Well, what was the explanation, ABC News? I just wouldn't want to know why it didn't meet standards. Of course, ABC, a bunch of liars. Liars. Cowards. Liars. NBC News. Man, I'm really not going to get a job in corporate media anytime soon, am I? NBC News. Liars. Matt Lauer. They didn't, oh, they didn't know about Matt Lauer. I mean, there were people who knew, who were very powerful, who were making a lot of money, and didn't want the gravy train to stop. Period. Lying to you. They look you in there. They put these people on TV that are supposed to be telling you the truth, supposed to be telling you about what matters, what happens, supposed to represent our ideals as Americans. And it's all it's all just it's all just crap. It's all crap. And where were these guardians of truth? I told you I, I had I had people from CNN reach out to me and say, you'll with this. If you don't stop calling Christine Blasey Ford a liar publicly. If you don't stop saying that the other women are liars, you're never going to you're never going to work in a, you know, a sort of a top tier media organization again. This is what CNN people I'd worked with. there were telling me this. I didn't care. Because what was happening was appalling. It was appalling. 
And I, I would hope that any person who has any judgment or, or common sense would recognize that if they can do that to Kavanaugh and if they would do that to Kavanaugh, and they did, they would do the same thing to you, your dad, your husband, your brother, not think twice about it. Anything for the cause. Anything for the cause. These people are... It's gotten a little. It's gotten a little crazy. It's gotten a little scary out there. They keep saying all these things about how Trump supporters are horrible, and you know we we want these bad things to happen in the country. It's not true, and nothing horrible has happened, and yet they run around in hysterics all the time about how these terrible things are going to occur. And we look around and say, when do you, when do they just get when are, when do they exhaust their hysteria? When can we sit down and have a conversation as a country? like adults who want to have a worthwhile exchange of ideas because there are there are areas you know how do we fix health care how do we fix the border what should our immigration system look like these are real con- these are real things where there's good faith discussion on all sides but the president is a russian agent who's a traitor and brett kavanaugh is a serial gang rapist and you know these are things that bad people present as truth for their own purposes and we should hold them accountable for that. And I mean bad people in the media. People should not, they should not watch these shows. They should not support these endeavors. It's bad. It is bad what is going on out there. There is no truth. There's no honesty. And, and everyone is just doing what their, what their paymasters tell them to do all the time. You know, these leftists, they pretend that they are speaking truth to power. When was the last time somebody who was a prominent, give me one anchor at CNN or MSNBC who stood up and during the entire Kavanaugh thing, one who was like, this is wrong. I, I didn't see it. Did you see? Maybe. I, I, I would bet a lot of money. No. One primetime anchor on, on either of those networks, of all the shows they have, who said this should... Oh, they just all happened to agree that that was that that was right, uh, that that Kavanaugh was a serial gang rapist. And, you know, they took Avenatti's part in this whole thing because Michael Avenatti is somebody that should be trusted. I'm a little upset, actually. He's never he loves to DM people and tell them how unimportant and what a loser they are on Twitter. I mean, he's a horrible human being. CNN put him on TV 70 times. Do you think they feel bad about that? Do you think they have any any sense of, wow, we're gross organization we we really should do some soul search no of course not worked at the time put some guy on tv trashes trump talk about the porn star payoff great i think the trashes trump is good jeff zucker sit in his office yeah get him that's it i'm i'm explaining what they're I, i've been in these places i know people who work at all of them i have a lot of people who talk to me in back channel about what's going on there the things i hear about what are going on at cnn specifically are horrifying about what the editorial line is there now and how how it's a, it's a get Trump operation. Everybody knows it. And the people that don't want to be a part of it are just told, you know, deal with it or leave. I'm here to tell you the truth about all this stuff. I'm here to tell you the truth about this. this is why I tell you to watch the first also on Pluto Channel 248 because we'll actually say this stuff here. I'll tell you things. You won't hear from other places. It's the way it is, my friends. It's the way it is. Senator John Cornyn, I looked at your polls. Uh, nobody's beating you, John. Nobody. <laughs> And you don't have to worry about Beto anymore, that's for sure. (laughs) From Texas, he doesn't like guns, religion, or oil. (laughs) He knocked out all three categories. Somehow in Texas that won't work. I don't think that works anywhere. 
I kind of miss Beto in the race. I got to tell you, I mean, Trump, that's a good line, by the way, but he doesn't like guns, religion, or oil. But I, I wish Beto was still in it. Cause like he was really this, this, uh, like pure distillation of the sanctimonious, rich, white, lib dude who would like pretend to care so much and be so woke. But really, it's all just like a fraud. And he doesn't really ever think about anything. He just says a lot of stuff. I miss, I miss him already. We still have Bernie. Bernie's running around being crazy, talking about health care, this and that and the other thing. But we don't have we don't have Beto anymore, which makes me a little bit on the side. It makes me sad. Um, he was a fun one to to have in the mix. So Beto's campaign. R.I.P. Oh, but we do still have Ralph Northam running around trying to give us lessons in uh, the way politicians should act and be and. Uh, this guy is, is going to be a running embarrassment for the Democrats for a long time. Play clip 10. This president has been an embarrassment uh, to this country and and sold ourselves uh, to to other countries, our, our allies. I mean, uh, just it's one thing after another. And, and I think it's catching up with him. So certainly was a factor. But but I think in Virginia yesterday, people spoke about the progress that we've made, the progress that we'll continue to make. Uh, um, you know, another issue that is very, very important in Virginia is women's reproductive health care and also stopping the discrimination against the LGBTQ community. Those are important. Important issues and, and Virginians spoke to those yesterday and, and we're listening and we're going to pass some good laws and policy to move Virginia forward. I just want to remind everybody that when you have your liberal friends telling you, how could you vote for Trump? How could you? A lot of Virginia Democrats went out to vote for a guy who dressed in blackface or a Klan robe and in fact did it so often that he had a nickname that I will not repeat on air in college because of his habit of dressing in blackface and who spoke openly about an infant that had survived an abortion procedure being killed but but to do so in a in as humane a fashion as possible so the infanticide blackface guy who uh also refused to even admit his blackface past virginia democrats no problem showing up voting for that guy. But they're going to lecture us all about, oh, Trump. Trump said he had a mean tweet. Trump's a bad guy. Look at liberals in Canada. With Justin Trudeau, who we have not talked about in a while. Liberals in Canada voted for Trudeau. The guy did blackface so many times, can't even remember how many times he did blackface. But they want their ideas reflected in the corridors of power. They want their Beliefs to have the the power, the authority of the state to just cram it down people's throats in this country or in Canada too. But. So I just I don't want to I don't want to hear. It. We're going to have so much trying to uh, push us from voting for Trump based on how it's just good people couldn't do that. Good people won't vote for Trump. That's they'll try to morally blackmail you into this. Oh, how could you? Trump is so awful. All right. Well, what about all these Democrats out there that seem that there's no no problem voting for them? What about these Democrats and the positions that they support are awful, but also in a lot of cases their their backgrounds, their backstories. You find out more about them and you realize, oh, these are not good, decent, ethical people at all. They're certainly not like Brett Kavanaugh. 
somebody you'd want as a neighbor, as a friend, as a family member. They're, they're not in his category, but they'll tear the Kavanaugh's of the world down ruthlessly, viciously, falsely. Welcome to the modern Democrat Party, everybody. Wokeness, my friends, is not limited to the United States. As you know, the entire uh, English-speaking world certainly has its own social justice movements, and there's this increase in the, the desire to shut down speech that's offensive. This is happening in the U.S., and Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Britain, other places, too, I can't even think about. Uh but this was a new one for me. I didn't. I didn't know about this. I, I know we played that 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 woman in Australia who's like, I want the. I just want the the patriarchy to fear feminism. I want the patriarchy to be like, oh my god, I'm I'm in a corner and I'm like, I'm like shaking with fear because the I'm the patriarchy and feminism is like this giant like it's like this giant person is really strong, right? Strong like like a like an ox. It's threatening patriarchy. <laughs> well, I, don't even, I, I still don't know what she was talking about. But. It's like violence sometimes. What you've got to do if you, go, if you can't get what you want, but you can get what you need. The, the Rolling Stones. Anyway, saying some nonsense there. Uh, good morning, Britain, though. That, were, that was, now I, I know that wasn't an Aussie accent, but the woman kind of sounded like that to me. But now we're, now we're in Britain, so we have a uh, a woman who wants to let you know about the danger of clapping. 20. So it's actually not just for people with anxiety. It's also people who use hearing aids. Clapping can be disruptive to that. People who have sensory processing issues, it can be very distressing and overwhelming to have those loud, sudden noises. It's like, it's like really, it's really terrifying if you've got sensory deprivation issues. And you don't, I mean, okay, also, if I... You know, I'm trying to walk past someone on the subway. I tap them on the shoulder. It could startle them and they could have a heart attack. Like, we can't live our lives this way. Okay. We can't do this. Hey, but what if somebody is like really, like, they've got like a little bit of a headache and you just start clapping. It's like real loud. And then you, you all of a sudden, the headaches can get worse. And I mean, how much Tylenol can one person take? I was happy though. Oh, wait. But I, I will say this before we have a gentleman who was on the panel. There was some sanity in the UK. There was no sanity in that Australia panel. She's like, I just want the patriarchy to be terrified. I want the patriarchy to be like, oh, but I can't deal with this anymore. I'm so sad on the inside. Uh, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Uh, the panel in this case had somebody who came forward who spoke a bit of sense. But before I get to that. I will say, hold on, don't, 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 don't you, don't play that. Are you playing the clip? Are you trying to, okay, just making sure. I got eyes on you, producer Mark. So there's a thing that people do, and I, I just want to go on record. It's the most, it is the most annoying thing on planet Earth. And it's when they're at a, a concert or a sporting event, or it's happened to me when I was at a Broadway play. The person was sitting right next to me. I, I wanted to dump a bucket of ice water on her head. But they do the thing where they put the two fingers in their mouth and they make the super high whistle noise to show their approval for something. I'm not an advocate of violence, but if somebody punches you because you're doing that, it's not like they didn't have some cause. I'm just going to say it. It's the most annoying, uh, lacking in consideration for other people noise that happens in public place all the time. 
Don't do that thing. Yeah, okay, the people down on the field, you're up in the cheap seat, making this, I can't even, be, I can't make the noise at all. They make the whistle with the fingers, and, and maybe somebody on the field will hear the, but you know who also hears it? The person who is, who is 18 inches away from you in their seat, whose eardrum you have just punctured with your stupid noise. Are you with me, producer Mark? That wasn't the right whistle that I, I wanted. Oh. Oh, I was trying to find some whistling in the system oh, just yeah. to annoy you. But I was like, is that a bomb noise? Because my comment bombed? I don't know what that was. It sounded like a bomb. It did sound like that. Like uh, Roadrunner. But do you know what, what? Is there a word for that kind of like the, the fingers no, in the mouth? Whistle? Loud, obnoxious whistling. The loud, obnoxious whistle. Hmm. Don't do the loud, obnoxious whistle. That's actually a thing at Ranger games. Oh, hockey. No wonder. Like they'll do a little little whistle thing, like dun dun dun, dun like that thing, and then yell "Pot Van sucks." Uh, see, I, I wouldn't know about this. Yeah. You're gonna take me to a hockey game at some point, sure. But, and we're gonna have a, come on, come on the show and talk about. It. But you know, when they put the fingers in the mouth, they do the whistle thing, yeah. and it's the loudest, most annoying sound in the world, and yet people will just do it sometimes, and I don't understand why they think that that's okay. And I look at them, I'm like, do you not know that it, it hurts the ears of people that are, like, legitimately it actually hurts the ears of people around you? And you could say, oh, Buck, I can make whatever noise I want to at a game or something. I'd say, well, what if I just got in your ear and I did the Dumb and Dumber noise? You know, as loud as I possibly could. Wouldn't people be mad at me about that? It's no different. It's like if you kick my cheek. Oh, oh, my God. Stop, stop. Turn off the, okay, I give, I give, I give, anything. Uncle. I'm glad I finally found some good whistling. Oh, I I hate, hate whistling of all kinds. But the fingers in the mouth sporting event whistle is the one that, that drives me the most insane. Oh, but okay, but back to sanity. Because this lady's like, oh, but we don't want to clap because it's going to be hurting your ears. We can't clap too loud. It's going to be bad. Uh, we have Andrew Doyle. I don't know this guy. I guess he's a Good Morning Britain host or something who was like, no, we're not going to all start doing... Instead of clapping, just do jazz hands, which is, I guess, what they call it, like, blue jazz hands. Uh, we're going to, here's what he said, play clip 21. When you, we saw that clip earlier of people, people doing the jazz hands, the reason that looks really silly to us and we, our instinct is just to laugh is because it's really counterintuitive. There's something quite instinctive about wanting to show your appreciation through applause. It's something that babies do quite naturally without us training them to do so. One of the first so, things that they do, Exactly. It? It's, it's an old, old thing. It's part, I mean, look, I, I could totally take your point that we do in a compassionate society, which we are lucky enough to live in, we make sensible provisions for people who have various mental health issues and disabilities and that kind of thing. But what we don't do is completely restructure society and completely change society norms in order to accommodate the sensibilities of a few people who is that guy because he sounds smart and i agree with him 100 what we don't do is just turn society upside down because there's a few outlier situations for certain people and the expectation becomes that you always have to act like the outliers are everywhere you know and, and you don't make case-by-case accommodation based on kindness and consideration you make the policy based on the possibility of somebody not you know liking clapping no more clapping. You know what they used to do? I remember um, for a while at coffee shops when I was in college in the 90s, when they did like the poetry reading, they would do the, you know, they would That's snap. an old theater thing, though. Is that an old theater yeah. thing? Yeah. I remember, I remember It's being, like a lot of people who I knew who were in like the drama and stuff. Yeah, they, 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 they do like the, the cool drama yeah, yeah. kids. We'd be like, oh, we're snapping because we're just like snapping. They just think they're cool. They're, it's not, there's no reason behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really like the drama kids in high school. As a grown-up, though, I like the people that were the drama ladies in high school now that they've grown up. 
some of them can be fun. I was a drama kid. I didn't act. I just did all the behind the scenes stuff. Well, yeah, but that's cool. You're like yeah. one of the, you're like one of the union guys that's like backstage playing guitar, hanging out. Those guys are always cool. Of course, I'm a cool guy. Yeah, that's true. Mm. So, learning a little little fun stuff about producer Mark here. Um, but anyway, so the uh, the clapping thing is is going to be a problem. I, I guess we don't. You know, I said we we're going to talk about are, are is Marvel cinema or these Marvel movies really are they cinema or not? Because you've got. Uh, uh, what's the super famous Goodfellas director? What's Scorsese? How could I forget Scorsese? Buck, you forget Scorsese? You crazy? Um, I think we'll hold that though for tomorrow. I'm gonna hold that one over. Here's here's what I would say. Um, I have to separate out the Avengers from everything else. Maybe I'm not gonna hold this for tomorrow. Um, well, maybe I'll return to it tomorrow. I would just give you my my brief my pre my overview here is that superhero movies can be great. They can be movies like any other movie with all the different, the whole range of human emotion and the acting can be excellent. The Obviously, it can be very, very entertaining. I think some superhero movies are fantastic. The Avengers movies, though, are like a threat to all that is dear in civilization because they're so bad. That's just, I'm just here to tell people the truth. You'll notice a lot of truth bombs on this show. You have never been more wrong about something in your <laughs> life, your entire life. He doesn't even get it. You know, it's all right. When you have I don't, a few and more most people years, don't. When you have a little more wisdom, you know, under your belt, my friend, you know. Avengers Endgame is the highest grossing movie of all time. Obviously, you are in the minority in terms of this opinion. Yeah, because everybody in Beijing saw it. It's not because it's a good movie. In you, in the U.S., it's the highest grossing movie of all time in the U.S. Because we didn't want to let the Chinese win. That's, so we saw it more than wrong. they did. Just, just embrace it. You are wrong. I'm, just, I'm trying to tell this you. This is guys. a poor opinion. Listen, just like your opinion on not liking hockey you know, you wanna, and not liking baseball, you you're wrong. You want to listen to Buck's takes not, on movies. I'm telling you, producer Mark's going to send you astray. Oh, you know, you'll have like Hulk and Thor be like, who has bigger biceps? Ha ha, so funny. This whole thing is ridiculous. That, that has never happened in an yeah, Avengers that's, movie. That's pretty much what happens. You haven't even watched them. See, this is what happens when I open the Scorsese cannons. Martin Scorsese, a true filmmaker. And he's wrong also. Cinema is anything you want it to be, Buck. I mean, would you tell Mozart he didn't know how to write a sonata, my friend? Yes. If he I actually, didn't like it. He actually it. probably would. No respect for my man Wolfgang Amadeus. Zero. Wow. Yeah. Roll call's up next. Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. It is time for roll call. Let's uh, let's get to it, shall we? Let's see what we what we have here. Um, Julia, with a fantastic comment, I can tell from the start. Buck loved your show yesterday, and you are right. Producer Mark is grouchy. <laughs> Ah, Julia making my day. He snapped at you when you mentioned it while talking about uh, Kamala's 6 p.m. disaster, Shields High. I'm, what did I snap at? I don't even know, but Julia's saying- Wrong. She's, she's wrong also. She agrees with the host, not the producer. She yeah. says you're grouchy. Well, without the producer, there'd be no show. <laughs> there would be no that. show, that's true. But Julia, you're on the right side of this one. You probably you probably hate Avengers Ultra Marathon Everlasting 2 or whatever it's called. Bad. Not even close. Yeah, whatever. Richard. Comment of the day, Julia. Thank you. Buck, I think you're missing something on Virginia elections. Eric Holder has an organization that has been working on redistricting states. 
So they sued Virginia in 2019 for the maps that were drawn in 2010. Then they got some California lib to redraw the maps and poof, no more Republican majority in Virginia. Uh, That election is more about this group than anything. Also, why didn't the Virginia Republicans hang the late term abortion issue on the Dems? It's like they don't want to win sometimes. Uh, Richard, um, I I have to look. I'm sure what you're saying about that rings true to me about Virginia redistricting. I've just I haven't been following that part of the story closely enough to comment on it in any expert way. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, it's. Look, I don't think it really matters that much what Virginia, what the campaign really was from the Republicans at this point, because Virginia has been importing Democrats to work for the federal government and into the state because Virginia has a, a very large uh, increasing uh, immigrant population as a state. And you know, that's just immigrants vote two to one for Democrats, sometimes three to one. Uh, let's see here. All the immigrants. Uh, hey, we have a little book. Immigrants. I don't know if you have a green card, you can. But if you become, if you're a naturalized citizen, you can vote. So can everyone? You don't need to send me the. Assume, assume like like Fredo. I'm smart. I have ideas too. Not Fredo Cuomo. I mean Fredo from the actual Godfather. I just love that. I'm smart. I've got ideas. Um, Jason writes, hey, Buck, the whole thing where the Democrats are keeping the identity of the whistleblower secret is nothing more than a game. There is virtually no way this deep state operator doesn't have to come forward to testify in the trial in the Senate if Trump is successfully impeached. Thus, they're trying to protect their partisan impeachment as if it's something they just have to do rather than something they have been dying to do since Trump won. Absolutely true, Jason. Ding, ding. If we had prizes to give out, we would give them to you, but we can't give out prizes because we're on the radio and there's like rules about that, by the way, right? Mark, isn't there rules about this? You can't just like, I can't just like send people t-shirts if I like them because we have, if we have like a contest or something, right? Uh, I think you can give out t-shirts. We just don't have t-shirts. Well, Christmas is coming, folks, so. I just want to make sure. If it's anything like above a T-shirt, then then the rules get a little weird. Then it gets low. Okay. So I can't be like, I'm going to give $10,000 to somebody and then like give it to my cousin. No, exactly. That's why there's rules for that. But a T-shirt, you can get away with. Okay, T-shirts, I could probably. All right. That's good to know. Sarah, these guys really do. Oh, love, love, love your voice impersonations. You're the best. No, Sarah, you are the best. As for 11,000 scientists who think we're overpopulated, Perhaps they should lead by example. Scientifically speaking, at their various ages, I'm confident they produce more methane than the newborns would. Bum bum. Methane joke, Sarah. Well played. Perhaps stinky, but well played. Uh, and then these guys really do have a god complex, do they not? To think we humans can save the world. Yeah, Sarah, they do have a god complex. They want to be important. They want to be powerful. All of that stuff. So that is very much true. Douglas. Buck, water vapor, also known as Douglas. I don't know why I said his name so weirdly. I'm just kind of in the zone right now. Buck, water vapor is the largest of the so-called greenhouse gases. It is 100 times more plentiful than CO2. But no one does anything about it because, one, we can't. And, two, it would adversely, it wouldn't rather adversely affect Western capitalist societies. Furthermore, the atmosphere has been 0.03% CO2. Uh, forever, the hundreds of tiers of industrial, oh, years rather, of industrial revolution and addition of 6 billion people to the planet hasn't budged the CO2 concentration by more than 0.01% or one one hundredth of 1%, even if you assume the entire increase is man caused, which is ridiculous. 
where did the 300 parts per million come from? All the greenhouse gases allegedly caused by mankind amount to less than 0.02% of the atmosphere, less than 200 molecules in each 1 million molecule of air. How can any reasonable person believe that 200 out of a million tenths of anything is going to destroy the earth? How, um, yeah, man. I mean, I'm with you, obviously. I think, I think these people that think this stuff are, are absolutely nuts. So, and there's a lot of math in there, Douglas. So thank you for handling the math because I'm not, if we have math problems or tech problems or tech, you know, technology problems, math problems, audio problems, that's producer Mark. You send him the numbers, the gear, all that. I just handle the funny voices. That's my, that's my job. So. Somebody complaining about my audio again? No, 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 no. Huh? It's okay. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. easy, Mark the Grouch. Don't worry about it. No one has to get, no one has to get spanked today. All it's right. okay. I'll We're go all, back into my hole. There we go. It's all fine. All right, everybody. That's going to be the show for today. Hope you're enjoying. If you're not already uh, enjoying watching it on Pluto, please do check it out. Uh, Channel 248, The First, where we speak the truth. The first, like the First Amendment, also the first channel you should be watching on Pluto TV every day. Also, download the Buck Sexton Show on iTunes. Tell people about it. Numbers are going up. We love that. Shields high.